Howdy, y'all, and welcome to Liberty Libations number 57. Um, tonight, I've got Zach Varnell, Zane Placey, and a new guy named Liam. Liam, introduce yourself. Who are you? What are you doing here? Um, hi, I'm Liam. Uh, I am Zane's friend. We went to uh, UGA together, um, and at different points, uh, we both uh, sat over the presidency of UGA's Young Americans for Liberty chapter. All right. Well, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Um, Thanks for having me. Glad, glad you could get out of working at Chick-fil-A this evening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, oh. the, the Lord's chicken had to end early tonight. Yeah. There we go. Um, all right. Well, y'all, we are streaming on eight different destinations. Uh, we're streaming on Instagram, Rumble, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, multiple accounts on each. Um, I can also, I've gotten it to where I can see all comments from all different platforms. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, if you have stuff to say, go ahead and say it whenever you want. Um, all right. Per usual, we're going to start out talking about LP Georgia. Um, on January 26th, just before our convention, there's going to be a range day with former vice presidential nominee Spike Cohen. Down at the South River Gun Club, I think uh, Grumpy Gnome says there are two tickets left. Um, Chase Oliver just signed up for it, one of the presidential candidates this year. Um, so, yeah, if you want to go uh, shoot some guns with Bazooka Jew, um, go ahead and go get your tickets on LP Georgia's website. Um, also, while you're there, you might as well get your, your tickets for a convention which is the 26th through the 28th, just outside of Covington in Conyers, Georgia, um, at the VFW down there. Tickets are 85 bucks. We've got Spike Cohen speaking. We've got Shane Hazel, Adam Nutter. We've got the Tower Gang Pod, and we've got a vice presidential, uh, or no, a presidential debate. I don't know why we'd have a vice presidential debate, but we have Who a president. Who would want that? <laughs> Who would want that? Um, so yeah, go get your tickets, lpgeorgia.com. Um, I believe we have, yeah, we have a hotel down there so you can get book a room on the block of rooms if there are any left. Um, yeah, that is what we're saying. Nano future go on all platforms and spam comments to mess with Jake. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> that won't piss me off ever. Um, all right, y'all. We have breaking news. Uh, this was shared with us by our very own Nick Soselski, who is not on the stream tonight. Um, let me pull it up. It looks as though the UK and the United States is um, bombing Yemen. Iranian-backed Houthi rebels in Yemen. Um, you can make anything scarier by calling it Iranian-backed. There we you? go. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. That's. I mean, that's how they did it in the latest Top Gun. So why would they stop doing it now? You know? Iranian back to goat herders. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and mm. just get you prepared for the next one. Like when we directly bomb Iran or something like that, we'll be like, oh yeah, they've, they've been the bad guys forever now. So that's we, fine. Exactly. Um, let's see. According to Politico, the United States and UK had the support of Australia, Bahrain, Canada and the Netherlands. The strikes targeted various military facilities being used by the Houthis. The strikes were carried out by U.S. and British aircraft and Tomahawk land attack missiles launched by U.S. naval ships in the Red Sea. 
There are also reports that the Houthis have responded, report, reportedly firing at target, quote, targets in the Red Sea, um, which I have. Uh, let's see. Uh, where was it? Yeah, it looks like they may have hit one of our battleships or whatever, one of our ships that's out there. Um, so they are retaliating. I don't know. This is, I mean, I guarantee you this is news to a lot of people that were bombing Yemen. Um, not very many people, not enough people have heard about us being at war with Yemen or helping the Saudis with their war against Yemen. So, um, Zane, you want to talk about uh, the background of what's going on here? Yeah. So it's, it's hardly even matters to me what exactly the specifics of the day-to-day -day bombing is because the, I'm sure that half the stuff coming out about this is just lies from our own military. So right. I, what really matters is, you know, why we're involved in this in the first place and what we can expect out of it. So people who even know that we're in Yemen at all doing anything, which is really not any, hardly anybody, but even people who know that we're there will, will not be familiar with the history of why, which is, you know, all the way back in like 2014, 2015, um, you know, Yemen had an election. So for all this talk about protecting democracy, they actually managed to have an election and they elected some guy and Saudi Arabia was like, no, we don't like that guy. We want him out of there. And go. this was around the same time that you know, the Obama administration was trying to make the nuclear deal with Iran. And Saudi Arabia was very unhappy that the U.S. was trying to make this deal. So, and there are many sources that say that this exact phrase was used. The U.S. entered the war in Yemen on the side of Saudi Arabia in order to, and this is a direct quote, placate the Saudis. Mm -hmm. so we're committing, you know, mass murder and genocide against people in Yemen it, to placate the, the Saudis because it really is mass murder and genocide. It's not just that we're targeting terrorists here. It's that we're systematically targeting all their infrastructure, all their, um, you know, water facilities. I was trying to make this point last week in response to one of our more rowdy comment commenters, but it was the end of the episode and I was, I had already consumed one entire beverage, so I'm not sure I would <laughs> up to the task. Uh, but it again when I at the, when we first introduced the story, and I said that you know you can make anything scarier by calling them Iranian backed. I'm sure that that's true, in that Iran is going to do what they think is easy to needle Saudi Arabia because they don't like them. But ultimately, right. we're not talking about really well-organized, really malevolent terrorists. We're talking about people that have had their family members killed, that have had their friends in their community killed by drone strikes that are, no matter how many times the U.S. military are, are telling you they're carrying out targeted strikes, they're not. They're targeting civilians. They're targeting you know, civilian infrastructure. And when you do that, it's your classic case of insurgent mass. If you have 10 terrorists and you kill five of them, how many are left? 20. <laughs> I've heard of girl math and boy math. <laughs> no <laughs> insurgent math. These are, these are not people that 
bear the United States or our citizens any ill will. These are people that desperately want to stop being bombed and are desperately poor because they've endured a decade of being bombed. In the Obama administration, when we first started doing this, there were internal memos between people in the Department of Defense who were legitimately worrying about the fact that the, the actions that were being carried out meant that they could be credibly convicted of war crimes. And it's very rare when you see people in the administration actually being worried about being convicted of war crimes because mm -hmm. of the amount that our system bends over backwards to protect war criminals. You know, after the Iraq war, Bush and friends had no accountability at all for everything they did in Iraq because Obama was like, we need to look forward, not backward. So we're just going to overlook all the war crimes we did in Iraq. So even with that being the yeah. posture of the U.S. Every crime happened in the past. <laughs> it's like you murdered somebody so, last year. Yeah, but we're looking forward. I mean, that happened so even, all the way back then. Even with that being the posture of the American foreign policy and military establishment, even in that climate, people were still worried about our conduct in Yemen being worthy of them being charged with war crimes. And that's all you need to know to know that it's extremely serious and terrible. Yes. What, what would you say, though, because, you know, it seems like maybe people could argue the uh, Saudi campaign bombing Yemen was one thing, but now we've been in a ceasefire and they were launching rockets at ships. So this is a new thing and we have to go in there and, you know, protect them. And then also, you know, I think you said that they just want to live, but why would they be uh, launching rockets at ships during a ceasefire? Like what's going on there? Are they doing that to defend Gaza or like, what do we know? So I haven't been able to do a, a deep dive into um, like the, this latest thing. And obviously yeah. I am against people launching rockets at ships that are peacefully carrying out commerce. Of course, again, I'm not sure that I trust a lot of what's coming out. And I would not be surprised if a couple months later we would find actually, you know, something was done to break the ceasefire before they were doing this, or it's not exactly as it's being reported. If, if it were actually the case that we were perfectly targeting everybody who was just targeting peaceful ships and it was completely unprovoked, then yes, by libertarian theory, that would be a justified use of retaliation. I am just highly skeptical that that's actually <laughs> what's going on. Yeah, I can guarantee you it's not. <laughs> and then, you know, during the whole Saudi campaign, we had the uh, like a blockade against them, too. So people may have been there that legitimately deserved whatever they had coming. But blockading an entire country was causing, you know, food not to get in, medicine not to get in. And, you know, babies were dying of dysentery mm. or something that they don't even understand, much less were involved with. Right. So it does always seem that even if there's like a kernel of truth in the you know, reason for war, the overreaction is an entire another thing where it's like, all right, even if you were in the right originally, you no longer are. Mm. Yeah. And just keep in mind, this is all like breaking news. Um, so like, yeah. we don't know a ton of information right now. Um, Nick Soselski, who's normally on this show, he 
sent us about 15 links right in a row because um, he's amazing at compiling all the information and getting all the tweets and stuff. So we don't really know everything. Um, Suhas has a comment. Says Iran's government is a criminal enterprise. I agree with the neocons. So is the U.S. government. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Suhas. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> it's like we're just not a fan of any of them. They're all government or criminal enterprises. Some worse than others, though. But. Yeah. Um, Liam, uh, what are your thoughts? Or just give us your perspective on on what's going on in the Middle East right now. <clears throat> Well, I, I, it should be all fine and good so long as the bombs say "build back better" on them, right? <laughs> as long as Most we're diverse we're, bombs, we're sending the the right, and they're you know painted like rainbows, then then uh, they they shouldn't do any damage, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I I you know I big surprise, I'm a libertarian, uh, right along with Zane, um, and it really does suck that um, as y'all alluded to before that this is not part of the mainstream news. You really have to go mm -hmm. digging for it. Um, and it really points to the fact um, that there's a lot that people kind of want to hide. Um, there's a lot that, you know, the U.S. doesn't want you to know about. They want you to focus on, on so many other things. You know, I was listening to a previous episode and um, – you're talking about the the release of some of the Epstein documents and how you know they they come out and they're all boring and it's like yeah they're they're gonna they're gonna release the boring ones because they're they're not gonna give you the you know the good juicy ones and I think that that's um, you the, know the real good stuff they probably just didn't write down exactly <laughs> right um, and yeah and and I I think that um, people are relying on the fact that you know the general public has such a a, a lack of knowledge um on kind of middle eastern affairs that um you know oh it's you know it, it, it's it's yemen you know I, I don't i can't even point out yemen on a map so and that and that really and and no it applies to a lot of people and so yeah. um it's it's so much harder to care uh about that uh as a yeah. general public and that's and that's uh what's what's really really uh, troubling because you know Zane was saying like these are these are innocent people that that are dying out there um, and uh, and it really sucks to hear about it. Yeah, I mean, what's even crazier is like even when we even when it's like a war that's broadcasted, like the Iraq War or the Afghanistan War, people still don't care. So even yeah. if it's on TV with like theme music and like you see people dying, people still don't give a crap that we're just over there killing innocent people. No, but it's big, beautiful balls. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's like it's it's not traditional war anymore. Like yeah. it's, you know, just that video that you saw. If there's no description on that video that, that you just showed, nobody would be able to tell what yeah. that is. Right. So yeah. it's it, it's. Uh, this is not traditional, you know, like like the stereotypical, you know, civil war, just like a line of troops, two lines of troops marching at each other. Like, you know, that's it's dumb, but it's also like easy for the brain to comprehend and understand. Mm. Whereas whereas now, uh, you know, you have so many different things you're dealing with. You have uh, governments, you have uh, rebel groups, you have uh, just regular innocent people who are just trying to live their lives. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, obviously it's 
uh, it's really hard to uh, determine exactly uh, who each of those people are in, in any given location. And so uh, it doesn't come as any surprise to see that, uh, you know, they, they don't try that hard and they just uh, drop the bombs. Yeah. I mean, what, what's the statistic? It's like 92% of people killed by drones are, are innocent civilians, I think is what the statistic is. Wow. I think it's 8% actually hit their target. I mean, a lot of those probably hit their target and then a, tons of people innocent people around them is probably how it yeah. generally goes but like, like when israel just bombed the refugee camp they're like but we got a guy like yeah. you got 70 <laughs> other guys who didn't do anything yeah and i i just have a massive problem with drone bombing anybody in in particular um like i take a pretty unpopular stance which is if you're going to go to war with somebody um you have to risk something. And if you're just flying around in the sky above them and bombing them and their civilians, you're not risking anything. Um, you're, it's just a bombing campaign that poses no risk upon you and just obliterates your opponent. Um, and obliterates just a bunch of innocent people um, for the most part, obviously. Um, so I am far more, I, not that anybody abides by the rules of war, but I would love if like drone bombing was banned from, from war. <laughs> um, but that's just me. I feel like we should call rebel groups or most of them wannabe governments. It's like, <laughs> this is a war between the governments and the wannabe governments. Just... Interesting. I don't hate it. Well, the funny thing about the, the Houthis in this case is that they are the actual governments. It's like everybody calls them the Houthi rebels, but they were for a long time. And I think currently, although don't quote me on this, I think that they are currently the ones in control of the capital and like in control of the entity that would be considered the Yemeni government. Hmm. It's just that Saudi Arabia doesn't like them. And therefore the U.S. has to pretend to not like them either. Yeah. And so we call them Iran backed rebels. Oh, so it's a it's a. China, uh, Taiwan, Chinese Taipei situation. Oh, interesting. That could be. Um, Grumpy says people always cheer for the rebels in the movies and fail to realize we are the empire. <laughs> that is, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, well, this actually goes really nicely into one of our topics for tonight, um, which is the fact that South Africa files a genocide case against israel at the world court and this happened back in december at the very end of december is 13 days ago um but yeah i mean exactly what this the the headline says is what happened south africa went to the world court filed uh international uh, to the international court of justice um and basically filed a genocide case against them under the 1948 genocide convention um and it's crack and israel's crackdown against the Palestinian group Hamas in Gaza. Um, obviously, Israel rejected the filing. Shocker. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> so surprising. Um, let's see. Palestine, whose state has, is contested but is seen by the court as having observer state status, said it welcomed South Africa's suit. The court must immediately take action to protect the Palestinian people and call on Israel, the occupying power, to halt its onslaught. Palestinian foreign ministry said in a statement. Um, yeah, 
what are y'all's thoughts on this? I mean, first of all, it's South Africa. That seems like an odd country to be stepping in in the middle yeah. of this, considering they're it part of it. seems like one of those things where, like, the San Francisco City Council calling for a ceasefire. I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you did. <laughs> not going to make any difference. Right. <laughs> and a lot of times, I've, like, I'm not familiar with the world court, but sometimes they'll be like, so and so condemns the u.s and the world court and they're just like well we're not actually a part of the world court so we don't care right so i'd be curious if israel is like even signed on to this it kind of sounds like they were if they rejected it mm. but yes yeah, like i mean even if this went through what power do they have are they going to go there and you know actually do anything they right. don't have i don't think you could even if you wanted to but it's one of those things where it's just it's only a gesture. The only way that anything would ever actually come out of this was that if enough of the power players decided that they were going to make a big deal out of it. And so far, that's not happening. So, <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it does seem just it, like a publicity the world court, stunt. The world court is essentially the equivalent of like student government in middle school, <laughs> where it has as much power as the actually powerful entities allow it to have. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it does seem like a publicity stunt of, of some sort just to kind of get some street cred as to who you're backing and like just kind of putting it out there, almost like a virtue signal. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I really don't know much about what the actual document said in full. I didn't read the whole thing, but um, like, like you said, like what is like, what is the world court going to do? Like, what are they, what do they have the power to do? They don't, I don't think they have the power to really do anything. Speaking of things that have no power, <laughs> did you, did you notice how in the article it, it quoted somebody who was apparently representing the, Palestinian foreign ministry. And I was just shocked that Palestine is has it together enough to have a foreign <laughs> ministry. <laughs> is, is it like some guy on like a street corner that has a hat that says foreign minister? Like that is a, how do, especially how funny for how do you have the people well, especially when you have a hard time leaving involved. the country. Yeah. Well, from You're not a, allowed to leave to go to the foreign places. <laughs> I, I, I was under the impression that from a UN perspective, all of Palestine's ministry is foreign because they don't have a mm. country at the moment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you, <laughs> I think so. That is really, that's a really funny statement, Zane, the Palestinian I mean, foreign ministry. You see this pattern with some other countries too that have, that are more widely recognized as being actual countries, but are still really poor. Like you'll find like Somalia or these other extremely poor African countries have all these different government ministries. Like they'll have like a ministry of youth or like a ministry of culture or like a ministry of sport. It's like if you're Somalia, I think you have bigger problems than having a ministry of sports. <laughs> all, all these countries think that just by having a ministry of something, that means that they get that thing. Where in reality, they don't get the thing. They get 
a worthless bureaucrat that they have to pay and make everybody else even more poor than they already were. Yeah, it's like I, the it's like all these other countries that when they write their constitution will write into the constitution that everyone has the right to health care, even though they're so poor that nobody can afford toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> and I guarantee the Ministry of Sport is 500 pounds and never played a sport in their life. <laughs> <laughs> also, like here in the States, whenever there's a new department made, it means that whatever the department is supposed to be about is the end of whatever that department is supposed to be about. Like Department of Education, that was the end of education. Like no one's educated anymore. Um, Department of what foods, food, drug, and whatever, whatever that FDA food and drug administration, that was the end of good food and real drugs. Like, yeah. And they may have killed more people than any other government agency. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It's wild. Um, all right, y'all. Should we, uh, get into our primary story of the night? Cause I'm pumped about it. Let's um, do it. All right. So on Tuesday night, there was a supposed hack of the SEC, which at which point somebody tweeted that the SEC approved Bitcoin ETFs for all 11 people that applied. <laughs> um, they quickly deleted it and took it down and, and pronounced that uh, it they, they had been hacked. Um, still not convinced that they were actually hacked. Some people think that it was a ploy to see what would happen if if they did grant the ETF um, in the few minutes after. Um, it's It'd be a strange time for the SEC to get hacked the night before they said they were going to approve the Bitcoin ETF. Um, so I don't know, there's some, something weird about that. But uh, in the end, at the end of business day, uh, the ETF was granted and Today was the first day of trading on these ETFs. Um, they've been multiple applications over the last 10 years. Um, I think they've been applying since like 2013. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's... Zane, Liam, Zach, do you all have any thoughts on the ETF itself? What an ETF is to those who don't know? So an ETF is uh so like the the traditional application is for like buying a lot of stocks it's very similar to a mutual fund yes. where if you want to buy all of the stocks that are in the SP 500 so you're very well diversified it would be pretty inconvenient and difficult for you to individually buy all 500 stocks and put them in your <laughs> portfolio but what you can have is an entity that pulls a bunch of people's money's money together and buys all those stocks and then you buy into that so by buying the fund you get a little slice of all of the stocks that are in that fund what a bitcoin etf will do is that the etf um, the fund will buy the bitcoin and then investors can buy into the fund and that thus they indirectly own some of the bitcoin that the fund has. And so th this will be more secure than all of these, you know, exchanges like, you know, FTX or even some of the ones that haven't gone bankrupt yet because 
if you're an ETF, you actually own like the the Bitcoin that you're claiming that you own. Like the problem with FTX was you thought that you own the Bitcoin, but you actually didn't because they actually, from my understanding of what went down, they were taking your money and not actually buying Bitcoin with all of it. Correct. Um, they were mainly where, not even dealing with Bitcoin. They were yeah. doing all sorts of shit coins that have no value to begin with. Yeah. But with these Bitcoin funds, all the Bitcoin that the fund has is like the fund actually has to own it. And Correct. so it's that I would say that you're definitely still better served buying your own Bitcoin if you're if you're inclined to, to do that, because it's still the most secure way and you actually have control over all your own bitcoin like i own bitcoin and i'm not really planning on buying a bitcoin etf because i'll just buy it directly myself however there is a certain segment of the population that's just not something that they would ever do to be technically capable enough to buy their own bitcoin it's just yeah. not something not possible for them for whatever reason and the bitcoin etf is a much more secure way than going on you know, crypto.com of holding Bitcoin. The other advantage is that you can have it within your 401k easily. So, you know, a lot of people have a company match through their 401k where their employer gives them money, but then their investment options within the 401k are somewhat limited. And it's not like you could just take it out and buy Bitcoin yourself because that's not how 401ks work. But if there was a 401k ETF where kind of within the confines of market products, you could buy a Bitcoin fund that would also give you the option of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a fantastic intermediate step between an exchange and actually owning your own Bitcoin um, because it will get a whole bunch of people involved in Bitcoin that never would have gotten involved any other way. Um, it's definitely more uh, easier to digest for the older generation um, if it's done this way than it than it is for you to try to explain to your dad to go buy, go get a cold wallet, go do that, you know, go just step by step how to buy Bitcoin and get it into your <laughs> into this, his account. So like this is a much more digestible way for people to to semi-own bitcoin i will just say if you don't actually hold the keys you don't actually own the bitcoin so like while you may be a part of the fund you don't own the bitcoin in my opinion um but yeah far far safer than a place like coinbase or um ftx or any of those places um yeah liam what do you, what do you think? now i have a i have a question if you have um you know stake in a bitcoin etf does that make it any uh less volatile than if you have a regular bitcoin no 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 okay and the it's it's going to be far more volatile for the next week or two um mm -hmm. just because of all of this all of what's happening um so it will continue to be super volatile for the next two weeks i mean it, it's going up and all the way down, like it's it's jumping up and down like a thousand bucks at a time repeatedly throughout the day. So it's 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 pretty volatile at the moment. Um, yeah. What, what's up, Zane? Oh, I didn't have anything. Oh, gotcha. OK. Um, what would be well, your. Go ahead, Liam. Uh, what would be your reason to 
like Zane mentioned, if you wanted to to uh, make this as a part of your 401k, um, like why would you do that? Because uh, you know, Bitcoin, I don't think has been around long enough to have the track record that like regular stocks have of you know there's peaks and valleys, but you know over the course of however many years it goes up mm-hmm. over time, but that hasn't been proven out really with Bitcoin yet. So just because of like the potential, I guess you would, I would, I I would disagree with you on that. I think if you look at a long-term chart, it has done basically nothing but go up. Um, And I think that once you apply the Austrian principles of economics to Bitcoin, um, you'll know that it's going to keep going up. And it's going to keep getting more and more valuable because it it over time it actually ends up deflating rather than inflating. Um, so there's you know there's a certain amount that can be printed forever, and then if someone happens to lose the keys to their crypto, that crypto that that Bitcoin's gone forever. And so it's 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 a deflationary type of money um, that will that I I tend to use as a currency, and I definitely do not see it as like a stock. Um, so all like. Between me and me and private buyers, sellers, um, whatever they're selling, whatever I want to buy, um, they'll like we'll we'll exchange a certain number of satoshis based on what we think is is worth it. So it's yeah. um, I, I try not to exchange Bitcoin based on how much um, it says it's worth on these exchanges, okay. um, because I don't think. I think it's a fraction of what it will be worth um, in the next 10 to 20 years. Um, so that's, yeah. And even if you did see it as a risky investment, like when you're young, go ahead and make risky investments because they're risky because the payoff may be huge or yeah. you may lose it all, which I don't think is the case either with Bitcoin. But, you know, maybe you wouldn't want to buy and put a bunch of money into the Bitcoin ETF if you're like, you know, 64 and looking to retire. But if you're young and, you know, you're risk tolerant, even if you see it as risky, do it. And yeah, yeah, and then yeah, the like, uh, hack, I don't, I'm not buying that either. I think what some quack <laughs> said is right. Somebody hit send instead of schedule. Right. It's like, if you think about it, if you hacked into like a government Twitter, like you could use it, like I'm going to build a botnet and spread malware <laughs> yes. or I'm going to pump some like shit coin that, you know, could go up dramatically and I'll make a million dollars or whatever. But instead you're like, no, I'm just going to announce some news on Bitcoin and make a modest gain. Uh, one of the, one of the strangest so things. What, oh, go ahead, Zane. Yeah. So just what, to what Zach was saying earlier, uh, so I, I like Bitcoin. I have some money in Bitcoin. I'm not one of these Bitcoin maxis that says that you should put all your money in Bitcoin. But I, it, if you're maxis just don't say that. A, maxis don't say that. Maxis say don't buy any other type of coin. Oh, don't put well, don't, it's not don't put all your it's not put all your money in Bitcoin. It's don't I, don't, don't buy any other coins. <laughs> I would actually agree with that. So sorry for using that term wrong. Yeah, but I would not. Those say, people are but, maxis with wings. <laughs> Anyway, my point is that if you just look at Bitcoin as just another asset that you might invest in, it has desirable properties. Like if, if like in the in the world before Bitcoin, people still talked about putting some of your money in alternative asset classes like real estate, like precious metal. Like uh, I even have some 
some money with a company called Masterworks, where you can buy small slices of pieces of fine art. The idea being that all of these different alternative assets are very uncorrelated with the rest of the market. And so even if the rest of the market tanks, you can still kind of ha have some of your your capital in something that's not also going to tank at the exact same time. And a lot of these assets have have um, possibility for large returns as well. That's also not correlated with whether the market has a big return. So <laughs> like, obviously, I believe in the economic message of Bitcoin that it, it's not susceptible to being interfered with by government monetary policy so long term i believe in it but also it's just you know another good thing to have in your back pocket so i have a, a modest amount of my overall portfolio allocated into bitcoin yeah yeah brian brian asked a great question um which is but can you lay on a pile of bitcoin and pretend to be a dragon like you can with gold <laughs> sadly sadly no i mean i guess you could lay on your on your bitcoin wallet and pretend to be one but i don't think that's going to have the same feeling <laughs> i want to know what small slices of art zane owns like oh you, you know the statue of david i own his butt <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, do you there, pick the slice that'd be that'd be i awesome. did there were three uh there are three pieces of artwork that i own a very small slice of one of which is a picasso what how did this happen? How did like does this is that is that actually a thing? People yeah, do it's uh it's a it's a company called Masterworks. Hmm. Um where it's it's essentially an ETF but for fine art where you uh I mean it's not exactly like an ETF because you it's you have to buy into each piece of artwork individually. It's not one fund that has lots of different artworks, but you can buy small slices of so I, I bought a small slice of three different artworks. Cool. I think this is similar to something I saw the other day, which is uh, you can invest in similar to an ETF, but with whiskey barrels. Um, and they'll, and like with the whiskey that's put in them. Um, it was I want to get in on that. Yeah, it was very interesting. I think we should definitely do that as Liberty Libations. <laughs> um, so, but what I was saying earlier is the the most interesting thing about, or one of the most interesting things about the the ETF being granted, is that they pushed it off the website almost immediately. It was on their website for like less than an hour. The announcement, and you have to go to the Wayback Machine in order to actually see the document granting the ETF to these 11 companies. Um, it's kind of wild. That never happens. Generally, they keep them on the website forever until they archive it like well, well into the future. Um, so that was a really strange move. I don't really understand why they did this. Um, but if you want to go read the document, I can I can post it somewhere. But uh, yeah, that's that's the actual granting of the ETF because it's it is a historic moment. It's never happened before. I mean, gold was granted an ETF um, and it it made a massive difference in the commodities market. Um, so uh yeah i i mean i know everybody who's obsessed with bitcoin is is intrigued by this etf thing i know shane had a shane hazel had a funny tw tweet um yesterday which was um if if uh bitcoin is inevitable and the government destroys everything it touches this is going to be an interesting battle 
<laughs> which I thought was pretty great. Um, all right. This is uh, great like news for, for money in general, I think. Yeah. Uh, like, especially... Um, you know, from a from a liberty perspective, because you know, like right around the middle of last year, didn't the EU, um, you know, on the other side of things, uh, like they're trying to put limits on cash transactions and crypto transactions, right? I don't know the status of any of those, but I know like both of those things are, uh, at least you know being considered. Well, dude, almost every major bank in the United States banned the purchasing of crypto with their accounts so like chase wells fargo bank of america every single one banned the buying of of bitcoin um and so you like i i found that out this week um because i have capital one and they decided to shut down a wire transfer when i was trying to wire it to swan bitcoin to buy some bitcoin and uh, they shut it down and I had to call and it took forever to finally get them to push it through. And now I'm going to shut down my Capital One account and go with the Bitcoin friendly bank. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 getting wild out there. And like Jamie Dimon, freaking JP Morgan's CEO is still out there saying Bitcoin is stupid, even though he is. <laughs> JP Morgan is in on BlackRock's ETF for Bitcoin. <laughs> Like he, that, that dude is just a crooked two-faced loser. Like it, it's, it's, it's just a weird time right now. It's a very interesting development because the main pitch of Bitcoin, at least for me, I know there are other people that don't see it quite this way, but it's a way of circumventing bad government monetary policy. Yes. So you would think that the government would do anything it could to not make it take off. Well, they and tried. So the and so the fact that they're, Approving these ETFs either means that they feel like this is a battle they can't win, or it's a somewhat hopeful reminder that not everybody who works in the government is a dyed-in-wool statist, and sometimes people do things just because they didn't really think about it. Hmm. I I like that. I like that. That's a little white pill. I, I like that a lot because I mean they've been trying to get this thing granted since 2013 so it's been over 10 years um since the first application for a bitcoin etf and so yeah i mean you might be right there might be somebody maybe got in power or got into the sec that uh isn't as much of a turd as the rest of the people in the sec <laughs> that's pretty great Jake, um, that may be a sign to switch to a credit union if you haven't already, like, I, I know that's, that's a creation of government me. too, but I've used one forever and it just feels like a very like small community bank. They don't have time to be like searching for Bitcoin transactions. If they would even care, know what that is. Yeah. My so. uncle's obsessed with crypto and Bitcoin and he told me the exact same thing, but he also has told me some things in the past that I don't want to abide by. So, <laughs> um, okay. Now that I have a second person, I might look into it. Um, anybody got anything else to chat about with Bitcoin questions, concerns, comments. All right. Well, there we go. Here we go. It's trivia time y'all. Um, let's see. Here we go. Gotta get the music going. 
All right. Half the night, I'm going to have to have my headphone halfway off because I have this dog staying at my house right now. That yips. I mean, it's the most ear-piercing yip ever. And she just does it randomly. She has no idea what she's doing. She's a puppy. Where she is. You, know? you just got a little muffled, Jake. That always happens once we go to trivia. Is that better? Yeah, it's weird. Yep, better. Okay. I still could hear what you were saying. It just sounded weird. All right. Well, I generally sound weird anyway, so whatever. Yeah. So is that why you were taking your headphones off? Is that dog like hurting your ears? No, that I'm trying to. I don't want my neighbors to get pissed. Um, oh, so okay. I, I thought I was I have like a little blowing buzzer. out your ears when I was talking. So. No, no. <laughs> I have a little buzzer to buzz her when she starts yipping. Um, and yeah, so that's what I was doing. All right. All right, y'all. Libations trivia. The categories are This Day in History, IDGAFABTETFs, <laughs> and uh, I decided I'm just going to have the third round be random crap every week, so this week is seagulls. <laughs> um, the rules, 10 questions in the first round, five in the second, three in the third, one, two, three points apiece, respectively. Every question is a free-for-all. In order to answer, you cover your camera. Got that, Lamb? Just got it. Got it. Boom. Um, if you blurt out an answer when it's not your turn, you lose a point. If a contestant answers, they cannot give another answer until all contestants have answered. And the winner is no longer a loser. All right. 2024 scoreboard updated. Zane with one, everybody else with zero. <laughs> the best is going to be. You, now that you've reset the scoreboard, I can no longer mention every week about how the audience victory is attributable to me. <laughs> You're darn right. Gosh, I'm so happy I reset the scoreboard. All right. First question. This day in history. On this day in 1935, who made the first solo flight from Hawaii to California? Zane. Uh, Amelia Earhart. You're correct. It is Amelia Earhart. And I hate that you got the first one correct. It's so frustrating. Liam, you got to be quicker, man. I know. <laughs> Reach out All like right. you're going to smack Zane. Yeah, yeah, just punch Zane right through the camera. Um, on this day in 1928, who was banished from the Soviet Union by Joseph Stalin? Liam. Leon Trotsky. Ho, Leon Trotsky. How about that? All right. So all the Trotskyites just came here and became neocons. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> On this day in 1879, British troops invaded what kingdom that had that had ignored the British's demand to demilitarize? What was the year? 1879. Okay, I'll give a hint. It is in Africa. Zane. Like the Zulu kingdom. Oh my gosh. Oh. Zulu land. Bravo, Zane. That is unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. Question number four. On this day in 1908, Theodore Roosevelt made what landmark a national monument? Zach. Um, crap. Denali? Nope. Liam. The Grand Canyon? The Grand Canyon is nice. correct. All right. Question number five. On this day in 1973, the American League of the MLB adopts what new rule? Liam. 
Designated hitter? Designated hitter is correct. Bravo. Liam takes the lead. Question number six. On this day in 1878 in New York City, what was delivered for the first time in glass bottles? Zane. Milk. Milk is correct. <laughs> I, but it's a good thing you finished the question because I was originally thinking electricity and then you said glass bottles. So I'm like, <laughs> well, that doesn't make sense. But you still chimed in before you finished the question. So <laughs> I had to wait and fully process. <laughs> because I thought that I knew. Yeah, but you did. Fair, fair enough. All right. Question number seven. On this day in 1861, what became the fourth state to secede from the Union? Zach. I don't know. Let's see. Let me just choose one. It's my only chance of beating Zane anyways. <laughs> random chance. <laughs> I suddenly can't think of any states. Not a single one. <laughs> Four state to secede from the union. I don't you have, know, five, you have no five seconds. Which one I choose is the dumbest one that you could have chosen. Three. Let's go with two, freaking one. Arkansas. Incorrect. <laughs> Zane. I'll go Texas. Incorrect. Liam. Georgia. Incorrect. It's back open to the floor. Zach, if you want to take another 15 seconds. Zane. Yeah. <laughs> Florida. Nope. Zach. Virginia. No. William. Tennessee? No. <laughs> nope. All right. Put us out of our misery. All right. The answer is Alabama. Even the... Uh, thought about saying that so many times. <laughs> Even <laughs> the audience didn't get it. So They were also ranked number four going into the playoff. There we go. Yeah. Now, now that they ended up, what, like <laughs> sixth, right? Sixth? or something like that and the final ap poll are you talking about yeah because somehow georgia leapfrogged everybody to go up to second because they beat a florida state team that had nobody playing for them yeah, <laughs> yeah but they, they the, could have put up a hundred in that game it was it was the largest margin of victory in any bowl ever i'm aware zane it doesn't matter if florida state doesn't have a quarterback and doesn't play its starters i, I don't it was a I historical don't... game <laughs> I don't magnificent proportion. I don't like that we have two Georgia people on this podcast right now. <laughs> All right. Question number eight. On this day in 1964, Surgeon General Luther Terry made what announcement? Zach. Smoking probably isn't great for you. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. Question number nine. On this day in 1755, what future Treasury Secretary was born? Zane. Oh. Alexander Hamilton. Bravo. Yeah. Um, so, so me and my mom a couple of years ago went to see this musical. And then on our way home, I talked for like 20 minutes about why Alexander Hamilton's monetary policy was really bad. <laughs> I did the I'm same sure thing my with my wife. <laughs> And I'm sure that my mom was not that interested in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I did the exact same thing with my wife. It was a decent musical, though. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. I like, I've liked others better, though. All right. On this day in 2002, the first prisoners arrived in what facility? Zane. Guantanamo Bay. 
Guantanamo Bay is correct. All right. At the end of round one, Zane has five. Liam has three. Zach has one. It's still anybody's game. All right. IDGAF about ETFs. So is this category about ETFs or about everything besides ETFs? <laughs> it's about it's about ETFs. <laughs> I just tried to string along the most number of letters that wouldn't make sense to anybody. <laughs> All right. Question number one. In what year was the first exchange-traded fund introduced in the United States? Zane. 1990. Okay. Everybody gets one guess on this. You, we don't get multiple guesses. So, Liam? Uh, 1985. Okay. Zach? I don't know. 1801. <laughs> <laughs> Zane gets it. 1993 is the correct answer. Question number, yeah, I forgot to mention, Liam, if it's a like a date or a number question, mm -hmm. um, it's closest gets it. Got it. Yeah. Without um, going over or closest? Nope, it is not prices Right rules. Those okay. rules are stupid. I agree. Um, which financial institution is credited with creating the first ETF? I think that was Zane. Vanguard. Incorrect. Zach? Wells Fargo. No. Liam? got nothing all right back open zach chase no oh liam uh northwestern mutual no zane state street state street global advisors is correct bravo i was about to go way back and guess east british trading company all right question number three. Oh wait brian has something to say about the prices right rules he says prices right rules are only stupid until you see someone win by bidding one dollar beneath someone else <laughs> mm -hmm. fair fair enough um Question number three. The first ETFs were often referred to as SPDRs. What does SPDR stand for? Oh, man. This is hard. It's not as hard as you think. At least half of it. Liam. I'm going to shoot my shot here. Special preliminary dividend rate. Incorrect. I like the, I like the guess, though. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'll give y'all a hint after everybody answers once. Can't even come up with one. I have no idea. Zane. I think it is something to do with State Street, where it's like, it's something, it's like State Street Portfolio Research SP. No, that. State Street Portfolio Dividend Research. It's something like that, but I can't get it exactly. I don't think anybody's going to get this, even if I give a hint. So I'm just going <laughs> to just going to move on. <laughs> the answer or is maybe it has the word depository. And oh. depository receipts. Mm -hmm. All right. Zane was almost there. Oh, he wasn't going to get it. <laughs> Which country introduced the first ETF outside of the United States? Zach. The United Kingdom. No. Liam. Uh, Switzerland. No. Zane. Germany. 
Okay, here's a hint. It's in the Americas. Zane. Canada. Canada is correct. <laughs> I tried to make it a little harder by saying the Americas, but everyone knew it was going to be Canada after as soon as. Oh, I was going to guess Brazil. Oh yeah, that would have been a, that would have been a good one too. Finance is my area of expertise, so it would be embarrassing if I wasn't doing well in this category. Fair enough. What was the first commodity that was granted an ETF? Zane. Gold. Yep. That is correct. All right. Well, sadly, after two rounds, Zane has secured his victory. <laughs> 13 points. Liam has three. Zach has one. And uh, the audience has zero. Um, sorry, audience. But we're going to go through the seagulls anyway, because um, these are interesting. First question. Seagulls are often seen hovering in the wind without flapping their wings. What is the term for this behavior? Zane. Gliding. No, Zach. Gliding. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Liam. <laughs> Soaring? No. I'll give, you a hint. Inspirational. I'll give you a hint. Humans do this as an activity. Zach. Well, drafting? No, I like that, though. That's a no. good guess. Okay. Zane. Hang gliding. <laughs> no. Liam, it's to you, and then, I'm, then no one gets it. Sailing. No. Mm. Listening in that, too. All right. The answer is kiting. It's flying. Oh, okay. called kiting. I've never heard somebody say I'm going to go kite as a verb. Whatever. Humans do it. Humans no, go. No, humans, humans fly, fly kites. Kite. Humans fly kites. Humans do not kite. Whatever. Saying. They kite checks. <laughs> um, uh, I like how I tend to compliment people on their wrong answers that I like too. I'm like, yeah, man, I thought it was sailing. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> all right what is the term for the group behavior in which seagulls collectively scavenge for food often seen near fishing boats or coastal areas zach flocking no that's a good guess though okay. zane going to arby's <laughs> <laughs> incorrect liam got a guess i'll give a hint after the guess ambushing <laughs> no i don't mind that though um the hint would be uh it's a type of organized crime zach mobbing mobbing is correct <laughs> oh, nice. guessing uh, skills <laughs> Joe, Joe says schlonking. <laughs> All right. Final question. In what unique way do some seagull species use tools when hunting for food? Zane. They pick up stones and then drop them on the heads of prey. <laughs> Incorrect. Zach. They drop things that need to be cracked in the road for cars to run over. I'm going to give it to you. Okay. They drop hard-shelled prey okay. onto hard surfaces from the air. 
Bravo. That's kind of a mix between our answers, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for playing. Let's see. Hang on. I got to go over here and click this stupid thing again. So dumb. So, so dumb. All right. Zane wins again. No surprise to anyone. Um, Give me one second. Y'all chat amongst yourselves for one second. I got to restart our Instagram feed. It's hard cool to chat with no topic. There, Zach. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. It's mid journey. Um, I, that's my favorite subreddit. I, like, yeah, it's it's getting incredible. The the images, like especially of people now, like I cannot tell what's a picture now and what's AI. And that's that's. Do scary. you mess with it at all? Um, I've done a little bit, but like the from from the websites, at least that I've uh, perused a little bit to get anything really good. You have to uh, either work really hard or pay money. And I'm not willing to do those things, but yeah. I definitely appreciate other people's work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I, I'm subscribed to it, so I guess I pay money. And then I also do work really hard to like. But it's it's fine. You're just messing with it, trying out different things. Um, it helps if you have something to like contribute to. Like I'll make random Twitter posts for the party or like for this podcast or whatever. If I had no reason to create anything, you know, maybe I wouldn't use it as much. But it's cool. What do you think about like AI in general and like how all that's playing out? I think AI is awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, I mean, yes, definitely like robots are going to take over the world. Um, and I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely pro like, okay, let's, let's be nice to the robots. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and just, just hope that, uh, you know, that we can be spared. Oh man, somebody, somebody said something funny and, and I hope that I can uh, uh, recount it uh, properly. Uh, because they were talking about, you know, how like mid journey and all this stuff and like how AI is is creating art now. Um, and uh, and, you know, th the idea used to be like we uh, we build these robots so that we don't have to do any of the grunt work anymore. Um, and so we can have time to, you know, pursue our hobbies and create beautiful art and all this stuff. But now the robots are the ones creating the beautiful art and we're the ones doing the, you know, factory Amazon jobs. And right. <laughs> you know, so it's like, <laughs> what is this world that we've come to? <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Um, there's also a good, uh, I think it was in the show 1883 talking about something similar um which i've also heard is a fantastic show and I, I didn't really care that much for yellowstone because it just seemed like a lot of senseless violence but uh um i've heard 1883 is like a masterpiece so i'm, I'm interested in checking that out all right y'all let's see grumpy has something to say dinner with spike is going to be great if you haven't signed up do it now that is correct uh i believe it's that first night of convention on the 26th there's going to be a dinner with Spike Cohen, 50 bucks. It's a barbecue dinner um, at the venue where we're having conventions. So if you want to get tickets to that, get them now before they're sold out. And then Zach disappears. All right. So we do have our third topic of the night is this just ridiculous story. Um, 
that we're just going to run through quickly because we're just you say do. ridiculous story as if our stock and trade is not ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Look, this is a super serious show that everybody <laughs> takes super seriously. All right. So, um, when was this? I don't know. Sometime this past week, January 4th. So I guess it was the night that we were broadcasting last week. Um, there was like the world's biggest response. Um, look at all these cops. I mean, it is a, it is a crazy reaction to uh, to what was actually happening, but the the speculation and what people were saying was that there were reports of eight to ten foot tall shadow men walking around the mall. Um, stupid, stupid. Um, there's even here. Let me. <laughs> There's even a video where people are trying to prove that. No, that's not the right one. Sorry, y'all. I don't have the right order here. Where people are trying to prove that right there, they're saying that that thing is a giant 10 foot tall shadow, <laughs> shadow alien person, <laughs> which I don't know if you can see that. There you go. It's a little bigger. That. People are saying that that's a that's an alien of some sort, another being from another dimension or something. Um, turns out, what was happening was these idiot children. Here, we'll just let we'll just play it. Beating up a man in downtown Miami tonight, they're facing several charges for this attack and for the panic caused at Bayside Marketplace last night. No, that wasn't actually the correct one. Hang on, there's another one. Here we go. This is the one. The reason this whole brawl started was after a group of teenagers started lighting off fireworks in Bayside Marketplace. Now, this scared many people half to death. Some people running, and it was after that that a lot of these teenagers began throwing punches. Fireworks and fights. <laughs> Sending crowds running at Bayside Marketplace New Year's Day. The chaos causing a citywide emergency call. Police parked up and down Biscayne Boulevard, even closing the road between 2nd and 4th Street for about... Yeah, so that's all it was, is literally people setting off things that sound like artillery shells, which I would think would call for a pretty massive response from police. Yeah. Um, people are still trying to push... I mean... I like conspiracy theories, but people are still trying to push some type of conspiracy theory with this, which I think is idiotic. Yeah. You literally have video of these moron children hitting each other. <laughs> yeah, I love conspiracy theories, but usually when there's some substance there and it gets your mind like wondering and thinking, those are the best ones. And there's really nothing here. Like, yeah, I was listening to other podcasts talk about this, like conspiracy podcasts and paranormal and they just have a bunch of people who weren't there come on and talk about what they think might have happened. Like, it's <laughs> the most boring content you can imagine. And I've been places before, like when I was a teenager, 20s or something, I was in downtown or North Shore Chattanooga watching fireworks and some kids started shooting fireworks in the crowd. And the cops came in mass, like you were seeing there and cleared everybody out. Yeah. So that is a ridiculous police response. I get it, but it's not unusual for them to do that. Yeah. I mean, you're, they're literally firing off things that sound like rockets and stuff. Like it, it's, it's, 
dumb yeah, and, to think. And you know they're getting violence. calls saying someone's shooting, somebody's, you know, yes. whatever. People are getting it wrong, and they're still going in there to check it out. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I, yeah. We were My favorite way of trying to trying to uh dispute stuff like this is just taking it on its own terms where if you truly believe that eight to ten foot tall shadow men existed you think that they would just show up at a random mall in miami <laughs> dude that's where the portal was open and, <laughs> and just start walking around i legitimately heard people try to give explanations for that and it's ridiculous they were saying that if you take the coordinates of south beach oh, miami no. or wherever this was <laughs> and you type it oh, in yeah. like like if you would have transfixed some coordinates you were supposed to go to Aust uh, not australia antarctica where you know obviously the portal to inner earth is <laughs> and they just screwed up putting that into their computer and ended up in miami <laughs> And people were seriously floating this. And I'm like, Come, we're just making crap up at this point. Like, I know a lot of this is made up and it's just fun, but at least make it believable or like entertain in a somewhat believable way rather than just be like, well, they meant to go to the inner earth. <laughs> these are the same. This is, these are the same people that uh, are the same reasoning behind uh, flat earth. It's just like you delude yourself into thinking this is real. I, uh, Show me one video, Joe. That's what we're asking for, honestly. Like, I just want one. I video. want to believe. I really do, but yeah. I want to like see. I want to see it and believe, not just hear some people be like, "It was Nephilim." I know it. <laughs> so, where do y'all think? Uh, you know, in a world where eight to ten foot tall shadow beings really do exist, uh, if they're not going to shop at the Miami malls, where where do they go? <laughs> That's a great question. Into your dreams, honestly. Oh yeah. Like, Somebody probably or if you do from their dream, yeah. Yeah. What is it? The one where if you do too much, not Robitussin, but like <laughs> Benadryl, I think it is. Aquil, whatever. No, right. Not even something that crazy, Zane. But like, yeah, if you do DMT, you're gonna see whatever. <laughs> but like the uh, just regular Benadryl, if you apparently do a ton of it, and this was a TikTok challenge, apparently years. <laughs> Go and kids the are getting a drill challenge, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we would see Hat Man, who was supposed to be like a shadow creature that stood in the corner of your room with a wide brim hat on. And you would look at him and maybe see him for like a second, he would disappear. And people were taking shitloads of Benadryl to try to recreate that. And it's supposed to be like a sleep paralysis thing, like you don't even need to be on drugs if you have sleep, paralysis, <laughs> you would see Hat Man. And I do believe that people see the same stuff a lot. Like if you do DMT, you see machine elves. And if you, you know, do Benadryl, maybe you see this shadow person. But honestly, it's probably just because our brains are wired the same way. So, yeah. Or that image is already in your head. And so when yeah. you actually do start tripping, that's what you picture. Like, yeah, it's, it's just not it's just that, a suggestibility thing where people are telling you expect to see hat man that's what you're gonna see yeah exactly what i can't show every single comment we're in the middle of conversations Not my this fault. does suggest to me that we're at least getting a quantity of comments <laughs> where you can't put everyone on the screen which i guess means that we have a decent number of listeners Grumpy says Antarctica. That's why we're not allowed to go there. You know, there are many, many suspicious things around Antarctica, I will say. But 
um, I don't think 10 foot tall shadow men um, showing up in Florida has anything to do with Antarctica. Um, sorry, grumpy. <laughs> um, Wish it did right. though. Yeah, I would love. I wish it, it was all true. Yeah, I just, I just want some type of proof. Like, I'm even a doubter of of just aliens in general. Like, just show me some type of proof. I, I it's all hearsay, or it's all just crappy footage of some weird looking light in the sky. So just give me something real, and then I'll start to believe. Um, I don't know. I guess in the defense of the weird looking light in the sky, nothing ever looks as good on camera. So like if you do see something in person and you get it out your phone, it then looks like it's a million miles away. Not if I'm the but, one shooting it. Well, you know, we can't all go to art school, but some people have for art UFOs. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you somebody out there who knows how to operate a camera has seen what they think is UFO and gotten crappy footage of it because it's not a freaking UFO. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I've told you before, I don't know if I've ever said it on air, but it's like, I've seen something that I thought was a UFO, a UAP. I don't know how to describe it, but I've seen yeah. it twice where it was like a blue plasma colored orb in the sky. And it kind of looked like the same color that's in my background here, where it's like the lights on the okay. computer screens are like that color blue. Yeah. And like, I saw it floating and then I look at it for a split second and then it shoots over the horizon both times. One of them was in Atlanta and the other was in Chickamauga. Oh, wow. So I don't know if it's an alien. I don't know if it's interdimensional. I don't know if it was some thing that Lockheed Martin's testing or whatever. I have no idea, but <laughs> I, there's zero chance I would have been able to get that on camera at the time. And so, I've even seen like been hiking and seen like cool maneuvers from planes and stuff that are, you know, whatever I'm hiking on the side of a mountain and I see a plane and yeah. I, you know, something happens so fast. I cannot get out my camera and take a picture of it. Yeah. Fair. So fair. I don't know. Joe asks, do you guys think aliens have visited earth? No. Well, it seems like the, <laughs> it seems like what people like Tucker right now are, I don't want to say pushing. Cause I don't think he's pushing it. He's just saying what he thinks. He's, he's saying they it. live here. Yeah, I think is what he's saying is that they live here, whether it's under the ocean or, you know, on a different wavelength, whatever that means. Yeah. I mean, it, they don't like necessarily have to come from. Yeah. A fourth dimensional being somebody explained it super well. They, they drew like a basically if you were to draw a human being on a chalkboard or like a creation on a chalkboard and box them in. Well, that that creation can only stay inside that box. But you, as a th three-dimensional being, can reach into that box and grab them or touch them or manipulate them or whatever. See them at all times. And so like, I'd be more inclined to believe that there are fourth-dimensional beings or some type of wormhole, like time travel kind of thing, m more so than an alien. Yep. I get, I have a very hard time understanding any of that because the physics and all Just that does not make man. sense to me. But yeah, that's what I was going to say. Interstellar, I've heard, actually did a pretty decent job at getting close have you to what people theor... I've seen it, but I'm just okay. saying that people think it actually looks like decently close to what people theorize the fourth dimension would really look like. Yeah, so. I believe it. Yeah, I've... Mitchell I've Johnson spent... says jellyfish. <laughs> Those the aliens... 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I spent more time I than I care to admit trying to visualize four dimensions and I'm never able to do it. I did read a book a couple of years ago called Flatland, which essentially is a narrative example of the analogy, Jake, that you just made, where it's the story of a square that gets lifted out of his two-dimensional world and sees three dimensions. Mm. And then he goes back to his two-dimensional world and everybody thinks he's crazy for talking about a third dimension. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So Zane has definitely not done enough DMT to access the uh, <laughs> the fourth dimension, yeah. I'm afraid. Oh, man. All right, y'all. Well, we've blown through our first three topics of the night. Um, I've got a bunch of other tabs lined up. The first being um, our favorite man, Javier Malay, down in Argentina. Um, Argentina has implemented single-day voting, handmade ballot boxes, paper ballots, and photo ID required. What are y'all's thoughts on on that? For those who nice. uh, might still believe in democracy. Oh well, I'll, sounds I'll pretty racist. Myself then. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean the amount of stuff that that guy has done in what it's been like a month is is wild. I mean it's crazy, and I don't understand. I don't understand why there's resistance to that exact thing to the single day of voting ballot boxes, paper ballots and photo ID. Like I don't, I don't understand at all why yeah. so many people get up in arms about those four things. I get on one hand, there's people who argue like we should just make voting as easy as possible. Like you should be able to fall out of bed and vote on accident that day. <laughs> like it should be that easy. But a lot of the progressive or like left arguments really don't add up and it comes down to like you just want this because you know it's better for you somehow like you've made that determination and now you're going to push it by saying that like it's racist if you don't do it or you're discriminating against a certain group if it's not you know seven days worth of voting or if you have to have an id right and yeah there's I that think great I video what's that guy crap i forgot his name but he goes around asking people if they know where the dmv is and if they yeah. know how to get an id it's like yeah sure obviously i do and then they ask college students if they think it's racist or you know or if black people can't get an id and they're like oh yeah of course they don't know how like it's <laughs> a burden for them so i think most of it is made up to suit whatever they've predetermined is better for them yeah i mean think about all the things that you need to have an id to do like buy alcohol Get, dr drive literally drive <laughs> to the ballot box <laughs> uh, but and I, I think for a lot of people whenever they hear anything related to election integrity like paper ballots or hand count or whatever that it's not even that they think about it it's just that they immediately hear oh you're a you're a crazy republican because you're a conspiracy theorist and you think that our democracy is 100 percent pure and you're probably racist like they they probably aren't even consciously thinking about reasons why we shouldn't have paper ballots they just hear the phrase paper ballots and unconsciously make all these unsavory connections and toss it out before they even even understand what it, a paper ballot is yeah, and Elizabeth said because that's what the news told them to think. 
Um, 100%. Yeah. It is interesting. Like there, the idea of making voting as easy as possible sounds good on the surface. No, it doesn't. To a lot of people, it sounds good on the surface. You're not like, a surface thinker, those, Zane. Let's those make it as easy as possible. Those people, so people shouldn't people vote. vote. <laughs> yeah, that that was that was going to be the yes, hundred percent. Yes, uh, it is. You should have to put in effort to make your vote heard, your voice heard. You ha should have to put in some type of effort in order to determine how other people live their lives, or at least have a say in how other people live their lives. The idea that yeah, you should just be able to roll out of bed and slap the vote button is idiotic and counter to a productive and healthy relationship with everybody around you. Um, it It is, yeah, I think it's denigrating to society to be like, let's make it as easy as is humanly possible. Let's mail everybody their ballots. Even if there was zero election integrity, I mean, if, if there was zero election fraud, um, I think it would be, detrimental to society to send out mail-in voting yeah at the base level what voting is if you are commanding somebody to take up arms to enforce what you want you have an idea and you think you know what we should do we should force everybody to also adopt that idea and if you're gonna do that you know Maybe you should have to know what you're talking about. Yeah. Joe says effort is easier the more wealthy you are. Like if there's uh, barriers in the way of voting, those are always going to be easier to get past for wealthy people, I think is what he's saying. Yeah, I mean, that's a valid criticism. And this is ultimately <clears throat> why I don't think that states are but valid at all because if you restrict voting to people that are like at the top then you kind of end up with an aristocracy where they can just take advantage of people that don't know any better and so a, re a restricted voting republic is not a good solution either which is why i'm not a republican i'm an anarchist there you go but i think that what's even worse than that is mass democracy where not only do the people at the top get to do the plundering, everybody is plundering everybody all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't think that there are that many, like those four things that were listed are not obstacles. The only, the only semi difficult one, semi difficult one is getting an ID. Like that's the, that's the, all the others. And, if you make yeah voting day a day like a, a national holiday then everybody gets off work and you don't have to worry about missing your job or missing work or not being able to go to vote so like there are no impediments to being able to vote in that regard other than just get a freaking id and that's well, like not everybody can take yeah I guess the argument to that not everybody can take a day off work uber drivers don't get national holidays you know, if you're just hustling, selling things and working a million different jobs, maybe you can't make it to vote. But and I don't know, like there's always going to be edge cases. And that's not my argument. That's just the argument I think people will make. Well, if, if you're an Uber driver, you can literally take five minutes and go vote. That's that's all it takes. 
I mean, unless yeah. you're in LA, then it might take a little bit longer, but it does not take very long to go vote. <laughs> well, presumably on voting day, you would be driving some people to go vote, right? <laughs> and then, already and then there. you could take a pit stop. <laughs> Maybe that was you're just gonna, an example. <laughs> you're you're going to have to go pee at some point in the day, right? So you take yeah. it, you know, stop. Go at your precinct. Go, yeah. Uh, that reminds me, Uber and Lyft now are offering free ubers to the poll on election day so you don't even have that yeah. excuse although i guess that explains how you might show up at the polling place with no id if you didn't drive yourself there yeah elizabeth said she's for eliminating ids for voting if they eliminate it for everything else too yes i i agree with that a hundred percent yes yeah these conversations are always weird between us because it's like you know I think ideally we wouldn't have voting. We would just have default liberty and we don't need to vote on how to control people's lives. In the same way, it's like ideally we wouldn't have government IDs. We'd probably have some way of proving who we are, right. but it wouldn't be, you know, some government enforced solution. Right. And the ID thing is getting a little weird. Like uh, I, uh, I had to, to take over the uh, responsibility of paying the power bill in my apartment from a departed roommate. And for some reason, I have to uh, I had to send Georgia Power a picture of me with my ID next to me to prove that I'm myself <laughs> to the power company. I'm like, well, do you want my money or not? I, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird one. I've never understood yeah. all the hoops to jump through to pay a bill. I'm like, do you want it or do you not want it? And if somebody else paid it for me, it's not the end of the world. Like, yeah, like, are you going to really complain so much about that? Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's a weird one. I, I, don't, I don't care for that so much. Um, I don't know. I, I can speak from my experience as, as being state party secretary for the past year, how important it is that we're able to tell people apart from each other, because it is surprisingly difficult to do sometimes. Hmm. So obviously I'm against the government doing anything, but when we're talking about companies, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure that some companies have ridiculous ID requirements too, but I can understand where they're coming from. Gotcha. Well, I think the problem there is a lot of times companies will just de default to whatever the government is doing yes, and what they're that's enforcing. Exactly it. Yes. When if they didn't do that to begin with, we'd probably have better solutions from the free market you know, like less intrusive or less biased ways of proving that we are who we say we are or, you know, like some cryptographic hash or something. But, you know, when it's already provided by the government, is it could be a terrible solution. And a lot of companies are still just going to use it because it's basically free. Yeah, I mean, social security numbers are the perfect example of something like this, where the reason why every company wants your social security number is because it's a id that only you have so they know if if they get that from you then they'll never run the risk of confusing you with somebody else and everybody already has one because the government makes everyone have one so it's just easy right. but if you really think about what would make a good unique id that would be hard for other people to guess social security numbers are really bad because they were not really designed to be unique ids used for everything they were meant to be used for one specific purpose and mm -hmm. if you, they're assigned using a very predictable pattern like people that are born in sequence at the same hospital 
receive social security numbers that are roughly in numerical order. <laughs> and so it would be very easy to come up with come up with a social security number that is somebody's actual social security number just by guessing it. And which is not what you want if you want identities to be hard to steal. But <laughs> right. because we have the government who's already assigned all these ID IDs, it stifled the free market from being able to come up with other better ways of assigning people unique IDs. I like it. Yeah. I mean, just think about what a like a Bitcoin wallet, what the address for that thing is. That's a unique ID. <laughs> like yeah. that is a what 26 like it's a massively long character number. Yeah. They're um, essentially unguessable. Like you could have the best supercomputer in the world and it would still take you hundreds of thousands of years or something yeah. like to run a guessing program to guess that. <laughs> Which yeah. that would be very annoying if like, you know, my cable company needed me to write down like an entire <laughs> wallet address. But yeah, but you could just put it in QR code form, you know, I hate QR codes, honestly. Why? QR codes are so convenient. I don't like them. I don't know why. You can make them pretty, though. You can make them look good. That's true. Yeah, they have some Still cool apps them. for stuff like that. <laughs> OK, cool. Um, all right. Well. I've got, uh, where was that? Here we go. We've got our favorite, our favorite alien to talk about. Is, Ugh, uh, talk about uh, an actual alien. Klaus Schwab. Here we go. You have this anti-system movement. What we are seeing is a revolution against the system. Viva la so revolution. fixing the present system is not enough. Now, there is, of course, a anti-system which is called libertarianism, which means to tear Hell down yeah. everything which creates some kind of influence of government into private lives. It's demantling the system. You have this. Gosh, he just makes it sound so good. Uh, is that our newest commercial? I mean, that was great. <laughs> that, was, that was fantastic. No notes. That was fantastic. <laughs> I should honestly try to cut that into a great libertarian commercial. That'd be that'd be awesome. Um, yeah, I don't think I think what he's describing is is actually anarchy. Is anarchists? I don't think he's actually describing libertarianism. It's not because well, I think he's being a little unfair because like libertarians and anar or and I guess anarcho capitalists don't want to tear down everything. Correct. But I guess we do want to tear down, you know, the government influence into private life. Like he right. said, that's fair. Yeah. But we're not like, you know, Molotov throwing anarchists that just want to, you know, destroy the patriarchy and capitalism or whatever it is that day. His sentence was a little hard to parse, but it sounded like he was. I thought at first he was accusing us of wanting to tear down everything. But I think what he eventually got around the saying was tearing down everything that leads to government interference in private lives, which I'm 100% on board with. Obviously, I'm not on board with tearing down everything. I only want to tear down one thing and leave everything else even more prosperous than it already was. In fact, I would say that the government is really the institution responsible for tearing down all of the other institutions that make society at the whole great and stable and prosperous. 
Yeah, I just think it's so funny how, like, I don't understand the person who's gonna dis like agree with him the way he made that sound. Like, who's gonna be there and be like, yes, like these libertarians are the problem. They're they're trying to get rid of this government interference in my personal life. Like, I mean, he lives in the upside down. Like, what he says that sounds great to us is shocking and horrifying to his crowd. So it's just like, those people exist, unfortunately. Do they though? The, the way he put it, I'm, I'm saying specifically the words he was using. If you talk to any Democrat who says something, who like thinks about it in those terms, exactly what he just said, I feel like they're going to disagree with his statements there too. Like maybe I but, think I mean, it would he's be probably surprised talking to Europeans. Of... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just that? saying, he's probably not talking to people that we would have access to, you yeah. know, like if we find a Democrat on the street, it's not the type of person that he's addressing there. Yeah. We're not supposed to see this, basically. <laughs> right. <laughs> I also think that unfortunately, oh, thank you very much, Elizabeth. Uh, but I would also say that, unfortunately, there is a growing number of Democrats that probably would not really have a problem with this statement right there. And would say that if you're overly concerned with interference in the, your private life, you're probably a conspiracy theorist. And they would they would probably say, you know, as long as you're not interfering with our Doing ability anything. to do gay stuff, then <laughs> interfere with everything else. And that's fine. And another, another thing they would say is, uh, well, if you're not doing anything wrong, why does it matter? So, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. I hate those people. Gosh, that drives me nuts. Um, actually, one thing I did want to talk about, um, this came up online on Twitter over the past couple of days, and I actually kind of did a did a podcast about it with the Free Georgia podcast on Tuesday is there is I forget who posted this, but it was a non libertarian who wanted to learn more about libertarianism, but got so much hate from libertarians that she had to shut off comments. Um, what are y'all's thoughts on how we should be sending out our message and like how to go about getting converts? Well, probably not like that. Pro I mean, obviously, obviously. Um, but I, cause the, what, what I said in the free Georgia podcast the other day was like, I've never heard of anybody getting converted or getting their mind changed by someone who's berating them. Um, and I, I don't understand why it's such a big libertarian world thing to shit post all the time, because that's not how, like, I don't understand how that's going to get us any favors with anybody or any goodwill from anybody. Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess my primary question is like, what, what are y'all's thoughts on like shit posting in that whole realm of Twitter and the internet? So I will never criticize anyone who's in the process of questioning or repenting of their previous errors. If you are moving in the right direction, that is absolutely the wrong time to start making fun of you. That's the time to embrace you as open arms. Mm. If you are, you know, remaining in your blatant error of being a war hawk or being a statist, if you're going to use shit posting, 
that's who you should target it at. Hmm. People just, who are just so far gone that you're not, it's not even possible to convince them. The only thing that you can do is convince everybody of the absurdity of their arguments and hope the win converts hmm. by by displaying their absurdity to observers. You should not yeah. ever shitpost somebody that you might convince because that's not going to work. Hmm. I definitely agree. And I think it even better if those people are like politicians or journalists or like not uh, just a regular yeah. person off the street. But yes, my yeah. What I concluded was if it's somebody in politics, or somebody in a pretty big position of power or anybody in the media who's acting like an authority on whatever topic they're talking about. Um, yeah. OK. I was. It's just interesting to get other people's opinions on this because I don't really care for shitposting all that much. This situation reminds me just a little bit of uh, a few years ago. Um, it was uh, Mark Duplass and Ben Shapiro. Do you guys remember this? No. Um, I, I don't remember all the details, but uh, uh, basically uh, Mark Duplass, uh, who's a, a, you know an, a, yeah. an actor, he's been in a bunch of stuff, if people yeah. don't know. Um, but uh, I guess he uh, paid Ben Shapiro a visit uh, because he was working on uh, some type of movie or show um, that had to do with gun control and gun rights and stuff. And so he um, he said that basically he didn't know much about, you know, the, the conservative, uh, you know, in favor of the Second Amendment, uh, Amendment um, opinion and that side of things. And he basically, you know, just wanted to learn more about that. Um, and. I guess, you know, some of his like rinky dink Hollywood friends found out that, you know, he was visiting the enemy. Right. And so then he, uh, uh, you know, he was basically forced to, to come out and repent and, uh, you know, apologize to everyone that he even had a conversation with uh, a man who was conservative uh, and, uh, you know, and basically had to just like run away with his tail between his legs because right. the, uh, you know, the, the, the community you know, gave him so much crap. So uh, now to hear a similar situation, you know, mm. but but libertarians are on the side of, of, you know, giving people crap for having an open mind. That really sucks to hear because, you know, the whole like, <laughs> like, it, I don't know if people haven't noticed, but there's there's not a lot of uh, yellow states on electoral maps <laughs> <laughs> these days. So we're, we, we, we need to to you know try to be open to to anybody even you know even if even if we know they're not gonna change their mind i would say if they're we, we should be uh you know happy to to discuss with people if they're willing to listen at all because mm. then maybe other people hear the conversations and the you know the dialogue just starts to spread around and uh you know you know more more of this needs to happen and of course you don't want to uh, you know, discourage anybody from, from trying to learn. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. You never want to respond to somebody talking to you in good faith with a shit post because that will ruin everything. Like yes. obviously if, you, if you're responding to a politician or a corpo journalist or whatever, you can pretty much always assume most of the time that they're acting in bad faith and they're not really listening to you or interested in having a conversation with you. Um, but especially if we're talking about regular people that are not coming off with extremely sharp elbows, you know, it's worth it to 
to to resist the impulse to to do that and it, it it can be i'm sure it's probably more difficult for libertarians than other people because we live in such a small community of of people who are all highly ideological very few people are born libertarian you have to have gone on an intellectual journey to end up here and that can definitely make you less tolerant of people that you think have put in less effort than you um but we you know we have to understand that not everybody is as far along the path and we've got to do what we can to help people if 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 we think that we can reach them at all I'll defend shit posting a little bit though, because like I think most of the time people are just doing it amongst themselves and it's pretty harmless. Like I'm just like shit posting to Zane or Liam or whatever. I'm just sending them to my friends. And that's fine. That's cool. Even, you know, like dragging a journalist or politician, that is fun. I'm a huge fan of that. All that stuff. Like that's cool. I, and I remember what Jake is bringing up here. And the lady did have a little bit of like sharp elbows. Like, Hey, I heard libertarians suck ass. <laughs> like, why should I ever like them? And like, I get how some people would be very turned off and just like start attacking. But there were also very reasonable people who chimed in and maybe changed her mind a little bit. And that might be the route to take with random, nobody, you know, random person who, could be part of your movement tomorrow and isn't part of the problem necessarily. But, you know, I'm not against shit posting in general. I think it's fun. The and other thing too is, Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. I'm I'm done. You, you kind of have to realize what platform you're on. Like if you are highly offended by shit posts, I'm not judging you for having that opinion, but maybe don't go on Twitter. Because if you go on Twitter, what do you expect to find? Yeah, it's really the entire internet. It's like you kind of have to expect some level of like being or mean people or shit posters or trolls or whatever, no matter where you are. Like I work in tech and I'll every now and then like look up a question. I don't know the answer. And there'll be 15 replies saying how dumb you are if you don't know the answer. And like one helpful person. And, you know, that's just the nature of the Internet in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, and, and if that, you know, uh, the 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 girl we were just talking about, like, you know, if, if she goes in and, and she does have sharp elbows and, and says, well, I, I heard, you know, libertarians are stupid and they suck. Well, then I think it's it's our job to not suck <laughs> and to to just show her, you know, and, and show the, the community uh, just by our actions like no actually like i think we have good arguments and i think we're uh the you know obviously extremely peaceful and and we want to encourage the the notion of living and let live mm. yeah yeah i'm curious liam like did you have any special strategy for communicating when you know president of you say yao at yes. uga did you have anything that like you leaned on more strongly? Like how I'm going to get the word out and like what our, you know, tone is going to be or any of that sort of stuff. I think our strategy um, was more focused on uh, things that uh, like 
things, uh, I guess, uh, topics where we align more with like the, the liberal and the Democrat way of thinking mm. um, more so than the topics where we align more conservative just because of like, you know, where we are, we're on a college campus, right? So we expect, um, you know, even though it's like in the South, like we still expect, uh, you know, more than half of those people uh, to identify uh, as, as Democrats or as liberals. Um, and so we, we tried to uh, raise more of those issues when we, uh, you know, do some tabling, uh, try to convert new people. But, uh, but also like with that said, uh, a lot of times we would have um, more frequent like interactions and discussions with, uh, some of like the the conservative clubs like you know we had some interaction with like turning point for example um but um but you know we we, we tried to make it uh some of this stuff a game and and like we had a, a giant free speech ball um at one point um you know everybody write whatever you want on this gigantic seven foot tall beach ball yeah and that's so easy too like yeah. if you're on college campus you should be doing that because yeah. buy a giant ball on amazon buy like 10 sharpies and you got an event yep <laughs> speaking of us uh interacting with turning point it was a real libertarian achievement unlocked moment for me one time that i went to a turning point meeting where the theme of the meeting was is taxation set so it's like, all right, well, I definitely have to go to that. And <laughs> so I was there when it was my turn to talk. I said my piece about how it obviously is theft. And then one of the other people there were like, well, if you really believe that, how about you move to Somalia? And I was like, I, I thought this was just a libertarian meme about what people say to us. I didn't know that people actually said this. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so, the roads thing is true, too. <laughs> so there is a balance to be struck here, because if you if your messaging is too soft, then people might be like, well, I'm sure you're a good guy. But if you're 10 percent different from the Democrats and Republicans, then I'm not going to vote for you because you're not right. truly offering a compelling enough vision for me to abandon a party that actually wins some of the time for a party that mm -hmm. never wins hardly at all. I mean, all right. that's a, I mean, we do win local elections about one third of the time. So not to disparage our local election efforts because they're good, but you know what I mean? We don't win very yeah. much. Yeah. You just can't be like, I'm Mitt Romney, but 5% better. I'm like, well, but he has a chance of winning and you don't. So I'm just going to keep going with him and I'm going to forget <laughs> that you ever talked to me. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um, speaking of shit posting, this is uh, the best. This is one of my favorite things I saw on, on the Internet this week was uh, Joe Biden tweeted. Let me be clear for those who don't seem to know slavery was the cause of the Civil War. And then our very own Dave Benner, um, LP Tennessee, neocons, nemesis of neocons. Did a whole th just tweet thread storm on him um, saying, then why did Lincoln declare over a year into it that his goal was not to either 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 to save or to destroy slavery? And that if he could save the union without freeing any slave or by freeing some and leaving others alone, he would do it. 
then why did Lincoln support a constitutional amendment to make slavery permanent and irrevocable, offer it as a bargaining chip to end the war and sanction the practice in Delaware, Maryland, Missouri, Kentucky throughout the war? And then it just keeps on going because Dave is a yeah. freaking historian and he's incredible at coming up with all these things. And then uh, been back Shane, on about this. And then Shane says, uh, oh, look at you guys on the Muppet tweet team <laughs> regurgitating <laughs> government school propaganda. Good little teachers. That. <laughs> that's the kind of uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's about the most amount of shit posting that I can get behind. <laughs> Yeah. This isn't this isn't shit posting. This is quality history, right? Well, here. Shane, Shane, is, yeah. Shane's is mini shit posting. Oh, Shane. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I approve of that too. But um, I was listening to an episode of the Dangerous History podcast by C.J. Kilmer. If any of you have heard of that, and he made the interesting point that it's pretty clear to him that the reason that the South seceded was because they were afraid that the union was going to ban slavery. But the reason that the union invaded them was not to ban slavery. Correct. That's where I'm at. If you go and you read all the documents, all the reasons the states put out for why they succeeded, most of them mention slavery in like the first paragraph, if not the first sentence or two. But it does appear that Lincoln could give a crap and was doing it for other reasons. <laughs> yes 100 percent. That, that is exactly where i'm at too um because yeah i mean i grew up in texas just learning about it was only about states rights and nothing else um which isn't the yeah. whole truth um but neither is it was only about slavery so yeah. well that is something i think myself included we fall into sometimes it's a little dangerous whereas like if the mainstream narrative is x we're like no it's y you're completely wrong but it's yeah. like, in this case, it's like, well, there's a kernel of truth. You have it a little wrong. Yeah. And there's nuance. But the libertarian impulse a lot of times is to completely reject it and substitute whatever is the opposite. And sometimes that's true. But in this case, I feel like it, slavery was highly important to a lot of the states who seceded. So. What was the impetus for this tweet in the first place? Was Joe Biden told by one of his like secretaries, oh, like, "Hey, hey, Joe, you're you're running low on internet points. We gotta fire something up here." That was my question too. I think ever since like Alex Garland's Civil War trailer came out, people have been talking about Civil War stuff. Um, I, I know the that can answer. Be the oh, you do. <laughs> Has nothing to do with movies, unfortunately. Oh. So somebody just asked uh, Nikki Haley, "What was the Civil War about?" I'm sure th this is what they had planned, and they're laughing right now because she was like, "Oh, I don't know, there's a lot of reasons, and this, that, and the other, and blah, blah, blah," and she did not say slavery at all, and that's the keyword they were looking for. Yeah. So when she didn't say it, they're like, "Gotcha, we're gonna run with this. We're gonna say she doesn't think it's about slavery." And by the way, we hate Nikki Haley. I'm not sad this is happening to her, but that's why Joe Biden's being smarmy online or his. You, would, you would think that of all people, Nikki Haley would get that question right because neocons yeah. all love Lincoln. Yeah, you would think so, especially since she's like the one that they've picked. Um, yeah, that's wild. I don't. Yeah, that is kind of crazy that she did not get that question um, the way they want her to. So I don't, I don't really know. All right, y'all we're to the funny stuff. 
Um, I've got four four funny videos lined up today. Um, the first one's pretty dark, but uh, <laughs> play it anyway. Um, it says, uh, sister who handles her mental health very well. Sister who did Dick in his... <laughs> the second one was a gravestone for <laughs> listeners. Which, I mean, hilarious uh, in one of the darkest ways I could imagine. I mean, I really hope it's completely made up. Like, this is one of those stories you would hear from a comedian, and you're like, that was hilarious, but I really hope you're lying. <laughs> yes. If that's her sister for real, then... She's yeah. not handling it well. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really hope that it was just some random gravestone, and they thought of doing a funny bit. Like that's what I, that's what I really hope. Oh man, um, I don't know how many of y'all have seen this. This is a classic, um, but this is one of my favorite things. Hey, you want to make a bit of money? You should do what I did: get into farming. See this? I got this. Selling corn comes out of the fucking ground. I couldn't believe it. You see that? It's made of chicken. It's actually made of chicken. You kill it, you got free chicken. You can sell it to people. Or don't kill it. Fucking eggs come out of their arses. Fucking hell. You know, sheep, bit woolly. It's wool. Pull it off, <laughs> sell it. Fucking grows back again. You cannot lose. Unbelievable. It's only five in the morning and I'm right where I work. And while the other poor sod's struggling in on the tube, I'm going to go and get some milk out of a cow who's a jammy bastard that's a pretty good argument actually that's the original work from home is farming <laughs> right. right all right third one <laughs> oh, just wait um, the dog oh, no <laughs> <laughs> Thomas, what are you doing? Thomas. <laughs> this one reminds me of my granddad because he had false teeth, a Yorkie, and played guitar. So that is so funny. That dog picked them up in the most perfect way. Yeah. All right, final one. This guy cracks me up. I see him all over Instagram all the time. TVs and movies made me think uh, were going to be commonplace, but they never really happened. Number one is food fights. I thought at this point in my life, I would have hucked a plate of mashed potatoes at someone's face, but nay. In TV shows, it seems so fun. One kid stands up and yells, food fight, and everyone else gets the game plan. We're all in it together. Yes, it's a waste of food, and everyone involved is not thinking about the kid with the peanut allergy, but it does seem like a good time nonetheless. Next time I'm at Panera Bread, I'll try and get something going, but it seems like a, a high-risk, low-reward scenario. Number two, we have two fellas crossing the street holding a piece of glass. 
I don't know. I don't know why this was so common. This happened a lot in cartoons and in movies for comedy. I don't know. I I thought if I would ride my skateboard, sometimes I would come into that situation and I would have to handle it, but it never happened. Number three, I thought banana peels were gonna be a lot more hazardous as I got older. Yes, they are oily and slippery, but I mean, goddamn, man, I've not seen one person in my whole ass life eat shit on a banana peel, and I've been kind of waiting for it. And finally, I thought I'd have a nemesis. Thought I'd have a, you know, a mortal enemy no. at this point. I mean, I have people who I hate, and those people hate me, but that's more of a list of people I've had sex with, not villains. What happened to people whose whole life purpose was to foil your plans and undercut you at every turn, you know? I need dedication. I need I need someone who's going to stick through it to the end to make sure my life sucks. Like doofenshmirt. Things that TV and movies... <laughs> Yeah, I can't believe he didn't cover quicksand. Like I thought that was going to be a problem quicksand, everywhere. That's a good one. Yeah, quicksand's a good one. I, he... I actually do have a nemesis. Oh, all oh, right. Yeah. How did that happen? Um, so uh, I, <laughs> um, I fell asleep at one of the bars here um, in my town. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, just very drunk and very tired. And uh, it was a really busy night, but, you know, just sitting at a table and just happened to fall asleep. Um, and so uh, one of the guys working there, um, he was just a real dick about it. Like, I understand, you know, if, if the policy of the place is, you know, that I have to leave or whatever because I fell asleep. Okay, fine. Except he shakes me awake and he's screaming at me and he's, you know, you know, cursing me out and telling me I got to leave and all this stuff. And I'm, you know, very drunk and disoriented. And I just woke up and I tried to fight the guy. And luckily, my uh, my friends held me back uh, <laughs> and uh, escorted me out of that situation. So I didn't make it, you know, really bad on myself. Um, and then uh, I, I go back to this bar a week later. I didn't really think anything of it. Um, and the guy kicks me out again. <laughs> And he's like, oh, you fell asleep here last time. You gotta go. I'm like, Are you kidding me? Um, and uh, I, luckily, I guess he he kind of gave up on his effort because, you know, now I've 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 been back since without uh, problems. But he remains my nemesis. And uh, he's just I lying think, in wait for you to lower your guard. Well, I, I I've always said, you know, if I if I see him outside the confines of his work, you know, we're going to have ourselves like a good old fashioned duel. <laughs> i love it <laughs> that's great um Zach, have a food fight were you coming to me what? i was just gonna say i would love to have oh. a food fight like i've oh always wanted to do that yes 100 percent. yeah zane you got an yeah, i don't care if it's completely staged i, I want <laughs> someone to stand up yell food <laughs> fight and let's go nuts Fair. i think that i think that can be arranged at the fight cohen dinner <laughs> yeah. i'd be down with that um all right y'all thank y'all so much for watching two hours of us talking about all this stuff liam thank you so much for joining tonight man i really enjoyed it it was awesome i did too thank you for having me absolutely um yeah go get your tickets for range day with spike cohen dinner with spike cohen and the convention that's happening at the end of january january 26th good night grumpy 26 through the 28th 26 for the spike cohen events and the 27th and 28th for the uh, convention um yeah make sure to tune in to free georgia podcast on monday nights and i don't know zach we got any other party business we need to address real quick I think you've covered it. I mean, get on our email list. A lot of information is going out right now about convention. We just put out a rebuttal to the state of the state that was given by Brian Kemp. So mm -hmm. look for that in our email and on our socials. And yeah, just join up and you know get communication so that you can see all these things that are coming out. Awesome. 
All right, Joe. Grump Grumpy says we need volunteers. Uh, an email will be going out about that too. So Beautiful. if you are interested in volunteering at the convention, get on our email list and look for that shortly. When I'm not yawning, I'll end this podcast. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We'll see y'all next week at 8 p.m. Eastern. Peace.